If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. I received an email from a good friend who was asking if I would buy $300 worth of uh, iTunes gift card for her niece. Welcome once again to Commando On Demand Insider, your fast-paced weekly update straight from Kim's desk to your ears. I'm Mike James, and in just a bit, Kim talks with Steve Ballmer, former CEO of Microsoft and current chairman of the Los Angeles Clippers basketball team. And Steve has a new focus he's going to be telling you about. You're not going to believe some of the ridiculous fake news about the coronavirus that's spreading online. And Andy Kaplan is the co-founder and CEO of EdgyBee, one of the world's leaders in visual intelligence technology. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but listen to this. We're going to find out how his company is using that technology to help fight wildfires in Australia. And how a veteran newspaper and television journalist almost fell for a scam. Of course, every week we find a great trivia question and ask that you give us your best guess without using Google. Today's trivia is about cell phones. We take our cell phones for granted now. But let's go back to the beginning. The first call was made on a cellular network in 1973. Even still, it took another 10 years for a mass-produced cell phone to hit the market. That was in 1983. That phone, the Motorola DynaTAC 8000X. I know. Motorola DynaTAC 8000X. And even though it wouldn't come close to fitting in your pocket, it was still the first of its kind. So today's trivia question is how much do you think that phone back in the day, 1983, how much did it cost? Was it $999 with a three-year contract? How about $1,399 or or was it $5,549? All right. The Motorola DynaTAC 8000X. How much do you think it costs? That answer coming up later in this podcast. And real quick, a, a reminder that this is not the Kim Commando Show. Of course, every week, Kim gives you the very latest tech news, tips, DIYs, and We take your questions on the three-hour Kim Commando Show on over 400 radio stations nationwide. And, of course, the Kim Commando Show is available uh, as a podcast. And to get that, you just need to go to getkim.com. It's much more than just a podcast. It's the Commando community where you can blog and make some new friends, and there's all kinds of great benefits. That's getkim.com. All right, getting started in a moment with Steve Ballmer. On Commando On Demand Insider. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. It's Commando On Demand, where we talk to some of the most influential people in technology. 
The innovators that shape the future and trailblazers who challenge and inspire us to do amazing things. Here's Kim's interview with Steve Ballmer. Our next guest might be a familiar face to those of you in the tech world. He's the former CEO of Microsoft and spearheaded some of the company's biggest initiatives like the Xbox and the release of Windows 7. He's also the chairman of the Los Angeles Clippers, and he's been passionate about integrating AR technology with sporting events. But now he's founded a new nonpartisan database called USA Facts, which aims to shed light on national trends, economics and political data in a way that's really easy for everyone to understand. And it's just the latest project from none other, Mr. Steve Ballmer. And it's a pleasure to have you here on the Kim Commando Show, Steve. And you've been pretty busy after Microsoft, but let's talk about USA Facts. So you've essentially created like this missing link between all this government data that nobody even has access to, or if they do, they couldn't read it, to put into a website where people can actually search for things. And why did you do this? About, let me think now, five years ago, uh, I left, I left, I guess I left Microsoft six years ago already. And my wife and I were talking about our philanthropy and she'd been working, focusing on kids who by virtue of birth, essentially, uh, really had no chance at the American dream. And I said, no, 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 we don't really need to do any philanthropy. The government puts up the money to take care of these kids. Not that we wouldn't give our money away, but but this probably wouldn't be the area. And she said, no, I don't even think government resources go to that. And I combed around looking for information, by then, I was signed up to work with her on our philanthropy, of course, <laughs> my wife. Uh, but I was still both interested a little bit to make a point to her and a little bit because I became super just intrigued to see if I could figure out what was really being transferred from more affluent people to less affluent people. And I got to tell you, I found it very hard to find any kind of integrated compendium of government data. And I I only believe in government data. There are people who think it's good, think it's bad. I think it's the best we have. And after splunking a while around for a while, I started to find out what I was interested in, but I thought it would be interesting to put it together for other people. My problem or my issue uh, did involve looking at the data as a whole in context, comprehensively. I didn't want to hear interpretation or exaggeration. So we decided we'd put it out in a sort of corporate form, very rigorous uh, 10K report that uh, companies write for the Securities and Exchange Commission. It has to be holistic, comprehensive, contextual. Boom, that's where we got I was fascinated. I was like, I was going down this rabbit hole because you see all these statistics like, you know, for example, um, how many troops are deployed in the Middle East? You have also another stat that I never thought of, the 25 to 44 year old death rates that are increasing because of drug overdose. Uh, where most of the refugees in America come from. I mean, you know, we see and we hear these things, but we don't really have a comprehensive place to go. What you said is really paramount. I mean, there's no opinions. There's nobody sitting there trying to give you why the data is like this. It's just the facts. Exactly right. Uh, You know, in a sense, sometimes people say, well, what's exciting? And I could tell you what is surprising to me 
But what's surprising to me might be something that's obvious to somebody else or not important. So we want to make sure we present the data in as clear and clean a way as we can and pull together data from as many sources as we can. The U.S. government spends about $5.9 billion a year just at the federal level on various government statistics and pulling them together. The problem isn't that there's not a great set of data out there. The problem is how do you pull it together in some integrated and comprehensible form? You know, you know, Steve, now that we have, we're living in this era of fake news, right? We all look and see what's on Facebook and Twitter and everybody's trying to decide, you know, what do we do with deep fakes and what do we do with this type of fake? Have you found that your information that you're putting forth is helping to put some of this fake news in its place? For the people who come and visit, you have the tools now to check on whether or not what you're hearing is correct or maybe perhaps in context. Let me let me give you an example. Uh, the U.S. economy created just in the last few uh, year two million new jobs. That's great, but that is only 1.3 percent of all the jobs in America. That doesn't make it a good number or a bad number, but for people who are interested, you can just react. Two million is huge. Other people will say 1.3 percent, though, means that not that. Uh, large an increase in the population will be will be working. There's no right or wrong. It's just context and facts in one place. Hopefully, somebody can take that and say, "Oh, I won't get carried away by two million. I won't get carried away by one point three percent. I'll be able to accept these things in context and understand them myself." How do you gather all this information? <laughs> this is all information that our government already publishes. We don't analyze. We don't use research uh, from think tanks. All of this, we use over, I think, 110 sources now from around the federal government. And our next frontier is to go get state and local data. Now, we add together all the states collectively. We just don't show individual states except in some limited areas. But the data is out there. Uh, It's often inaccessible. It's not like in a spreadsheet. It's not in a database where you can just uh, pull it out the way you would in a corporate database. So there's a lot of work in assembling it. Sometimes it's only in PDF files and you've got to go through and grovel them through. Uh, You would certainly understand uh, this is not the way to make data really uh, flexibly available. What are your ambitions? What do you think the future of the site is? Well, we have a lot of things we, we want to do. Uh, number one, we want to continue to build our audience base. Very, very important. And we're working on that. That requires two things. It requires us to outreach, but it also requires that we continue to put the data together in interesting ways so that people can see uh, kind of collections of data that help them look at issues in a comprehensive form. Uh, We've got to make our site more accessible. We've got to make search work better uh, on the site. That's kind of obvious, let me say, technical uh, cleanup. We want to add state and local data. A lot of what people are are interested in is what are the educational outcomes in my school district? What's the crime rate in my city? And so we need to continue to build out state and local data. 
It's even harder, frankly, than the, the federal federal information. We want to put the data in a database where it is easy for third parties, academics, et cetera, to pull the information out, be that in a spreadsheet or some other, other format. We want to work with government to encourage government to build its own kind of comprehensive wrapper on the data. We're happy to do it. We will continue to do it. But we think government should do it at the end of the day. Uh, as we think about it, for example, the State of the Union, there should actually be a numeric State of the Union in this day and age based upon government data, stuff that is incontrovertible because it discusses the past. People can predict the future differently, different politicians. People can analyze the data differently. But we should all agree uh, on the facts, if you will. Well, I'll tell you, it's a phenomenal sight. Thanks so much for joining us. What an honor. What a pleasure. Steve, it's been great having you here with us today. And uh, for all of our viewers at home, you can check out USA Facts for yourself. It's a great site. Uh, do yourself a favor. Just head over there now, usafacts.org. And the information that you're going to learn there is mind-blowing, especially when you look at where all the money goes. Just ahead, we hear from a guy whose company is helping to fight fires in Australia using visual intelligence technology. What is that? We'll find out coming up on Commando On Demand Insider. Fake news is a huge problem on Facebook, Twitter, Google, and YouTube. With the coronavirus's growing global concern, big tech isn't doing much to stop it from spreading, so it's up to you. Pew Research found that one in five U.S. adults gets their news through social media. This is a huge problem, as big tech can't stop the spreading of fake news. One post called the coronavirus a fad disease and said the government had the patent on it. Another post claims oregano oil will prevent you from contracting it. A YouTube video accused a so-called deep state government of using the coronavirus to draw attention away from President Trump's impeachment trial. I saw a post that said you can get the coronavirus from drinking the Mexican beer Corona. When you see fake news, do us all a favor. Report it to the site. Breaking tech news, security alerts, data breaches, and digital know-how. All in the free Commando newsletters. Get yours at commando.com. That's K-O-M-A-N-D-O. Commando listeners know technology moves so fast, it's almost impossible to keep up with everything that's going on. And that's why there's Commando On Demand Insider. It's our way of keeping you informed on the cutting edge of technology. Our next guest is using technology, believe it or not, to put out fires in Australia. Here's Kim. You've probably heard about Australia's devastating wildfire season. It's no exaggeration that this is one of the worst fires ever. But one tech company is looking to make a difference by helping first responders get a bird's eye view of what they're up against. Our next guest is Adam Kaplan, CEO and co-founder of Edgybees. They developed a cutting-edge information stream for emergency services. Now, EduBase combines detailed mapping information with live drone footage to help firefighters put out the blaze. It's even been used during hurricanes and wildfires here in the States, but Australia might be its biggest test yet. Hey, welcome to the show, Adam, and thanks for coming on board. So tell us, how does EduBase change the way that firefighters are doing their jobs there in Australia? So today in Australia, there are huge fires and a lot of manned aircraft that are unable to fly through the smoke and through the fires. So today they're using a lot of unmanned aircraft, in particular uh, drones and a number of other types of 
large balloons and, and, all, and all sorts of things like this. The issue that they have today is they have these live video streams, but they're unable to realize what they're looking at. So what we do is we take uh, live data and we overlay that information in real time over that video. So in a way, it's very similar to what we all grew up watching John Madden scribbling on top of uh, um, football games and understanding where that first and 10 yard line. So we're taking this data and we're putting augmented reality onto this live drone footage to understand where they're burning buildings, what streets that, that is, what's the number of the buildings. And they take that live data and that live video and they push that information back to command centers and to people on the ground to take that live stream and that live data and help them make immediate decisions that can help save people's lives and help save people's buildings. You know, that's really interesting. But what kind of information do the firefighters actually get? What kind of details do they get from your system? So whatever is um, what is called GIS data, so geographical, geospatial data, we, what we can do is we can take this data and we place it in very precise locations on that live video. And this can be from to a less than a half a meter level. So, for example, if there is somebody trapped in a building, we can take that information and identify that someone is trapped in the building with that data and push it down. So this is the type of information that we're pushing onto. So I understand it was used here in the United States. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so the technology, the first time it was ever used was during Hurricane Irma, where we overlaid the street names on top of the flooded streets. Um, so what in before our technology came around, actually, they actually had people on the ground that were in scuba gear trying to identify what streets they were over. So we take this live data, we put it on top of these flooded streets. We took the live data as to where people were trapped in buildings or distress signals. And we put this on top of the live video and we're able to help the drone pilots and help the command centers and the people on the ground identify where all this information was on the live imagery. And it was actually um, documented that we were able to help save a number of lives in Southern Florida during Hurricane Irma. Technology has also been used by a number of police and fire departments across the country. Uh, and then most notably, it was used, the technology was used in Northern California during the fires up in Montecito, where they had large wildfires and we were able to use this on top of the, the drone feeds. So it's been used by a number of different uh, police and fire and also some of the National Guard to help people identify the information and the video all on these live streams to help people. Um, additionally, the technology is being used to help prevent the spread of wildfires. We're using artificial intelligence to identify uh, certain wildfires. And what we do is we geo-reference that data and understand where that fire is at a very precise location, push that um, information to a first responder, and that first responder can hopefully get to that fire before it spreads and turns into a large wildfire. So it's really fascinating technology, but I can totally see how it's used in emergency work, but are there other uses for your type of technology? So the most uh, fun application that we had was the technology was used during the PGA Championships where we took the shot tracer data where you see the golf balls in the back of a tee and we took the drone footage 
and were able to compare the golf shots, and that was used during the PGA tournaments. Additionally, the technology is being used in the oil and gas industry to identify pipelines that are underground where you're not able to see that on the human eye of a video. And then it's also able to help um, our, um, um, our soldiers in the field to understand where they are in relation to video to make sure that they are out of harm's way. So the technology has a nut wherever you have live data and you have live video and information, we're fusing this together. So there's a multiple use cases uh, allowing you to take visual technology and allow people to understand what they're seeing on that live video by putting the data precisely on top of it. So tell me, how did EGB start? So actually, um, like many other startup companies, we started in a totally different uh, space. Uh, Similar to Slack, we actually started as a gaming company. So the first ever product that we had was a augmented reality game on a consumer drone where consumers would be flying a real-time drone up in the air and we would augment objects up in the air. So similar, the game was similar to like flying through the Death Star in Star Wars where you'd be flying a real drone and shooting at augmented objects. Um, That being said, we decided that uh, the ability to take data and and when the, the use came from a number of the public safety people came to us and said their issue is when they look at a down um, from a drone footage, they're not able to understand what they're looking at. So we pivoted the company from more of a direct to consumer company to help on the business and government side of things. Adam, we so appreciate having you here on the show with us today. And the work that your company is doing for our brave responders is exceptional. And our hearts are with everyone in Australia affected by these fires. And thanks so much for coming on. Hey, remember, if you have a question about something digital, you can get unbiased tech advice that you can trust from America's Digital Pro Kim Commando. It's pretty simple. Just go to commando.com and in the upper right-hand corner, click on Be a Caller. We'll ask you a couple of questions about your question. A producer will get in touch with you, and you can come on and ask your question on the Kim Commando Show. We'd love to have you. All right, have you figured out the answer to our trivia question? It was the first cell phone, or at least mass-produced cell phone, to hit the market in 1983 called the Motorola Dynatac 8000X. Was it $1,000, $1,400, $4,000, Fifty-five, fifty. We'll have the answer for you in the next segment, as well as we hear from a veteran newspaper and television journalist who almost fell for a scam. Next on Commando on Demand Insider. Ever wonder how the pollsters get things so wrong? The answer is that as Americans, what we say and what we do are two different things. Here's a story from yesterday's USA Today. It says people are worried like never before about eavesdropping by smart home devices like Google Home, Amazon Echo, or having their microphones tapped to target them with personalized ads. They want to say over how their personal information gets used. Okay, all that comes from a poll conducted by an organization called Data Privacy Today. It's hogwash. Don't get me wrong. I believe that's what people told the pollsters. But we're still using Facebook, Snapchat, and Instagram. We're buying devices that we know spy on us. You can't believe a good deal of what's online. And now you can't even believe what Americans say they believe. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. 
yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It's Commando On Demand Insider, where we keep you up to date and in the know on technology and even how the latest scams are working right now. Here's Kim. Denby in Honolulu, Hawaii. Hi there, Denby. Hi, Kim. Welcome to the show. And I have to tell you that, you know, I have a a few places in in Hawaii and I've actually read uh, some of your work there in the paper. Thank you. I appreciate that. And so I ran across a story, and that's why I invited you here on the show, about how you, and I mean, you're smart, okay? You went to Columbia, right? Okay. Yes, I did. And Stanford. And so, you know, you're probably the last person in the world that anybody would have thought would get an email and then maybe fall for it. Tell us the story. Yes, it it, it was amazing because I had always kind of scoffed at these uh, computer scams and said, oh, how silly, it would never happen to me. But I received uh, just recently an email from a good friend who was asking if I would help her. She was away traveling and didn't have access to her all of her computer and wanted to ask if I would buy $300 worth of uh, iTunes gift card for her niece, for her niece's birthday. And she said she'd pay me back when she returned. And I thought, oh, gosh, you know, she's not that good with a computer. Maybe she needs my help. I can help her. So I got ready to help. I said, oh, how do I do this? And in email, how do I buy one of these cards? And uh, the person on the email pretending to be my friend said, oh, you know, you just go and named all the stores and said, get the card and then uh, send me the codes on the back of the card and a photo of the card. And uh, so I thought, okay, I'll do that. (laughs) And because it was a friend. And and you know what? And you're trying to be nice. Okay. And you're trying to be nice. Yes, exactly. Like we all want to do. It's a friend. It's not the prince of Nigeria who's asking (laughs) me for help. And so I was... uh, Got, then I got another email. I was just getting ready to go buy it. And the email said, can you tell me when you're going to get this card, how soon you're going to get it? And that was when the light went off in my head. I thought, oh, you know, my friend is very, very polite. And we're all polite. When you ask for a favor, you don't push your friend. Yeah, exactly. When are you going to do it? Do I mean, it what are you, what's holding you up? Danby, I mean, yeah, come on. Up. <laughs> so I did what I should have done in the first place. And I looked it up on uh, Google, iTunes scams, and called my friend. And, of course, she said, oh, I've, I've been hacked and it's not me. Oh, and gosh. Thank goodness. But uh, interestingly, she was went to Wellesley College and is very smart and said one of her uh, college classmates was already up at the store buying the card. Oh, no, really? Again, a light went off in her head and she was standing with the cashier and she called my friend and then luckily didn't do it. Well, I'll tell you, you know, you'd think that because, again, you're all very highly educated, right? I mean, that you'd be able to see through this. But, you know, sometimes these emails, they look so real, right? And it's not just, like you said, your friend, what's also happening now, Demi, is that um, grandparents are getting notes saying, hi, I'm your grandson, Bobby, and they actually have a grandson, Bobby, and I'm wondering if you can help me out and send me some iTunes gift cards, right? 
Yes, and the other place I've seen it when I looked it up on Google is churches, like a minister. Someone will hack a minister's email, and he'll say, oh, you know, parishioners, uh, one of our members is having a hard time. Uh, We should all help him out. Let's give him uh, these gift cards to help him get through this ordeal he's in now. And so you hear from your minister, you think, gosh, you know, again, I want to help. I mean, yeah, I mean, I have to at least help help him to help somebody else. Yeah. Well, you know, it was probably this probably about a couple of years ago now is that I had an assistant and she came in to me and said, um, you know, would you be interested in buying $1,200 worth of iTunes gift cards? And I'm like, mm, not really, you know, not really thinking I need $1,200 to, to spend with Apple on apps and things like that. And she told me the story that her husband bought a car on eBay and uh, the so-called car seller wanted to be paid in iTunes gift cards. And the guy actually went down and he was an engineer actually went down to Walgreens and bought $1,200 worth of iTunes gift cards. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's just, I guess, because it's more direct. It's directly to you about something that you understand rather than a prince who's inherited uh, millions of dollars and wants to share it with you if you'll send this, you know, iTunes gift card or whatever. Well, you know, and they're going to get more nefarious as time goes on because now, like you said, they're going to be using churches, ministers, and then now with social engineering, you may even get an email that says, I'm your boss. That happened to somebody recently. Uh, they got an email from their boss that said, would you transfer money? And they said, it's a boss. I got to transfer money. There's also now, I don't know if you heard about this, but there are now deep fake voices that they have figured out. And that if they can have just somebody say one minute, they can a computer can replicate what they say. And so this guy's sitting there in Germany, as a matter of fact, and uh, he gets a phone call from his boss. And his boss says, hey, listen, do me a favor. We need to wire this. Uh, we need to wire the money into this vendor. I just got out of the meeting with the president and we're late. And, uh, you know, please wire $250,000 immediately. So the guy says, this is my boss on the phone. He wires $250,000 to a scammer. Oh, I get, that's a terrible. I, I guess the only thing you could say is the caution for all of these things would be in that case to call the boss right away. Or in my case, I should have called my friend right away and said, yes, and exactly. did you just ask me for these iTunes cards or boss? <laughs> right. Did you just ask me to transfer all this money? Yeah, <laughs> what, what the heck is going on? And don't you ever be rude to me again. <laughs> no. Hey, Denby, thanks for joining us. I appreciate you getting through. The Commando On Demand trivia question this week is the Motorola Dynatac 8000X was the first mass-produced cell phone. It came out in 1983, but how much did it cost? Was it $999 with a three-year contract, $1399, $3995, or $5549? Well, the answer is $3,995, a lot of money back then. Motorola Dynatac may have been mobile, but certainly it wasn't easy to carry around. phone itself was 10 inches long, not including the 3-inch antenna, and it weighed close to 2 pounds. If you were lucky, you could get about an hour of talk time before the battery would die, and it would take 10 hours to recharge. And if you thought today's flagship smartphones were expensive... It's actually worse than that. If you take inflation into account, 
That $4,000 Motorola phone from 1983 would cost more than $10,000 today. And, of course, inquiring minds want to know, so I did. I went back and looked up how much one of those phones would cost now on eBay. There is one pre-owned, obviously, for $1,305, so $1,305, zero bids. Hey, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the Commando on Demand Insider podcast, if you got a lot of good information, don't forget to hit subscribe, and you'll get these downloaded to your device every single week. And tell a friend. We appreciate that. Now here's Kim with some final thoughts. I was recently in London and spent some time at the Samsung Experience. One of three in the world. It's a fantastic Samsung store where you can play with their latest tech, but you can't buy anything. Past the impressive wall of TVs, a very cool concept car. The Galaxy Fold that you can hold in a smart kitchen was the holy grail. It was the closet of the future. Gone is the bag of dry cleaning just sitting on the floor. Instead, there's the Samsung Air Dresser, a little closet for your closet that works like this. You hang up your dirty clothes, your shirts, dress pants, sweaters, and delicates inside of it. Close the door, press a few buttons, and like magic, clean clothes. It takes up little space, and you don't need a water line to install one. This sounds great, doesn't it? All right, now the bad news. You can only put three garments in at a time. What's worse is that let's say it costs you $4 to dry clean a shirt. Doing the math, you'd have to dry clean 350 shirts to break even. The air dresser costs $1,400 U.S. You really can't afford this tech unless you're pressed for time. All right, keep your tech know-how going the easy way. Find your local radio station that broadcasts my show, along with more DIY how-tos, tips, videos. We have free alerts delivered from me to your email address, along with the Commando community, where you can blog. You can ask all your tech questions on our website without anyone tracking you, by the way. And it's commando.com, and I'll see you on the radio for the Kim Commando Show.